Hi folks, uh, David Jameson here, one half of Contacast. Uh, Cat Boyd is doing our election show every Wednesday at 7pm. Uh, and uh, so I've, I'm bringing on a slew of guests to, to, to make up for, for the loss of Cat. This week, uh, I've got uh, an election candidate, uh, Bonnie Prince Bob, standing in Edinburgh Central against the SNP's uh, Angus Robertson. And uh, uh, Bob, thanks very much for coming on, coming on. Should I call you Bob or Bonnie Prince? I'm not sure. <laughs> Bob is fine. That's cool. That's fine. Uh, and uh, Lordship. <laughs> I mentioned Angus Robertson because you were sort of prompted to stand. Is that right? As I gather from your, your election broadcast by his appearance in the constituency. Um, what? Why are you standing and what's your, what's your beef with uh, Angus Robertson. I think Angus. I think I'm standing for a number of different reasons. You know, there's a number of different reasons. It's, you know, it's not specifically about Angus Robertson. I think Robertson was the catalyst. I think I think Robertson's presence and Robertson's sense of entitlement that he can just turn up and because the SNP did think you know we'll, we'll just mop up that seat now that Davidson's gone and all the rest of it. You know. And uh, they clearly had some internecine in, uh, situation with who was who 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 was the preferential candidate within their party for the seat, <clears throat> and um, so you sort of see how they operate when it comes to you know the the demo. <laughs> The democratic structure of their party, if you like, or otherwise, you know. What I mean, so there was a, there was there was a lot of disgruntlement about the fact that Joanna Cherry wasn't able to to run, um, and it's not that I have any interest in either of of these individuals as as, as parliamentarians or otherwise, but I just felt when Robertson kind of came in, you know, and I just thought, nah, you know, this is just typical party politics thing where there's just a sense of arrogance towards the public, you know, and there's that sort of, they know the public are kind of inured to this kind of, you know, they're apathetic, they're kind of ignorant to the way that things go on and the, the political class like it that way. And um, I just thought, no, it's a good opportunity to kind of make a statement and kind of sort of say, look, you know, we've got a lot of problems. Uh, and one of the main problems we have in my opinion, is the political class themselves. And nobody, nobody, you know, greater typifies a sort of careerist politician as Robertson, you know? He's just a total and utter careerist politician. There's nothing about Angus Robertson. There's nothing dynamic about Angus Robertson. He's went down to Westminster. He's made a lot of money. He's sat down there. He's enjoyed his, he's enjoyed his time down there. He's so opposed to it. He went down there for nearly 20 years, you know? And uh, had a nice old time, and uh, and now he comes up here and thinks he's just going to walk in here because he went to primary school here. You know, it's like you know, well, there's you know, so what? You know what I mean? That's so what? No, I, I think it's interesting that it's a it's a campaign partly over the issue of unrepresentative career politics because that's an issue that's haunted Western politics and politics in this country massively for. For, for quite a long time now. I mean, as long as I've been aware of politics, people have been saying, no one believes in anything anymore. It's all a grift, it's all careerists uh, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I remember around the time 2014, there was quite a lot of engagement in politics and there was a degree of hope among some people that this would change now. I mean, do you think that in Scottish politics, like people are really souring to the to the disappointment that, that it hasn't issued in a wider change in political? Yes, government? I think that's absolutely correct. And I think that this is a good thing. And I think that it's a good thing in the sense that it's happening quite quickly. 
that um, we haven't had a kind of like, you know, the, 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 you know, the intoxicant of nationalism, the sort of heady liquor of, of how that can kind of cloud people's judgment. That does exist. But there is that sense of, you know, when you look at, if, I, I think a good example to maybe make is if you look at the antipathy and, and, and sort of anger within the left towards Labour, towards what the Labour Party have become, and towards what, in terms of what New Labour did, and in terms of how, in terms of how it destroyed, you know, the, 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 the roots of that movement in many ways, and what it has subsequently become, you know. And the SNP really represent that in, an, in, in another way, you know what I mean? They really represent that kind of like, you know, they're kind of unashamed in the way that they go about it. They don't have any other way of view, viewing things. But that's kind of a, that's kind of a counter with the kind of progressive, egalitarian, democratic, you know, ideas that were flourishing around 2014, you know? So I think even for people who are not, you know, hugely politically astute or otherwise, but, you know, they want independence and all the rest of it, but they're maybe unaware of the kind of mechanics of the of the politic politics as such. I think that the penny's beginning to drop a bit with some of these people, you know what I mean? So I think that's good. I think that's a good thing to see that happening because we should be holding our political politicians to account. We should be scrutinising the behaviour of our, of our political class and our political parties. And uh, just because they're pro-independence doesn't let them off the hook with, all, with, with everything else, you know? And um, when you have a, an incredibly dominant party with very little opposition of any any note, um, <laughs> you can end up with problems. Now, that doesn't mean that they're inherently bad people or they've got some Machiavellian agenda to do whatever. It's just that the collective conscience of those individuals and how they collectively operate, especially under a party structure or, a, 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 you know, party machinery, kind of come, eventually becomes a kind of monolithic type of, of thing, you know, and it becomes kind of, you know, the the... the the place for nuance or variety there or, 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 or alternative opinion becomes, you know, it goes, you know, it just becomes a consensus thing, you know. And as you say, you know, Robertson's like this archetype, isn't he, of like who these people are. He's the con consummate political insider. He was the guy who's, he's very so much... I get, of, so, so. He's, he's just this sort of consummate political insider who... Um, He's been one of these figures who's always been sure to kind of drive the SNP policy positions towards things like NATO and the international business community and these they not interna international they not, institutions. Did they not manipulate the conference to sort of get that NATO thing through a few years ago? Was that not something they did? They kind of uh, he, they were all they were always against he was, NATO, and then all of a sudden he come along and suddenly they were like, you know, like come on. <laughs> so that he was he was one of the. He was one of the people re really fighting for it, as I recall. I think yeah. that was back in 2012. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, he really, he really represents uh, that wing of the SNP that's absolutely determined to be this, like, establishment party that's internationally restrict respected by other parts of yeah. the establishment. And the strange thing about these people is, like you say, it's like a monolithic party view, but also they're based all over the world. In Westminster, in Berlin, in Brussels, in Washington, this this is a class of people who uh, are attempting to, you know, uh, advance the interests of of smaller parts of the population all over the world. 
Definitely, yeah. Uh, and tell, tell me a bit about Edinburgh Central then, because uh, obviously I live in Glasgow, I don't live in Edinburgh. What, what are the major, I mean, many people will be familiar with them, they will have heard of them, but what are the major problems facing Edinburgh Central? Edinburgh Central is essentially a kind of a, a, a very strange place these days. Um, you know, people like Robertson view Edinburgh Central is probably just the, the, the areas, the demographics they're interested in will be Stockbridge and the Newtown, kind of Murrayfield, these kind of areas, you know what I mean? They're incredibly middle-class areas. But within Edinburgh Central as well, there's like, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of areas that, you know, they won't even have, they, they, you know, they have massively low turnout. There's, that's where I would need to target, which is like Dummy Dykes, Dalry, Gorgie, these, these kind of areas, you know? And the contrast in kind of living standards is vast between these areas, you know, a vast difference in standards. Uh, also, um, you know, the, the, the city, it's not really a, a joke, you know what I mean? When we talk about the, you know, there's gentrification and all the rest of it. Okay, fair enough. You know, this is just a sort of, this is just a, something that occurs, you know, to one extent or another. But in Edinburgh, it has it, 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 it become, it, become almost Python-esque, you know what I mean? It's almost it's, it's becoming almost like a bit of a satire, like, you know, <laughs> in terms of the way that it is. Um, there's just such a sort of supine, sort of excited kind of like attitude towards big business and sort of corporate, um, you know, interest in, in the city centre. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not really a place for local people anymore. Do you know what I mean? To have any sort of inter any meaningful uh, interaction with the city centre, you know, it's you know, it's, it's it's very much a sort of playground for kind of wealthy people. You know, it's become that to the to the extent that kind of Edinburgh in general gets stigmatised as being this kind of incredibly kind of like posh place and all the rest of it. But you know, that's not it's not really true at all. It's it's a very seg segregated sort of community in some respects. You know, and that's sad. That's a sad thing because it always had this to one extent or another. There was always a kind of like, you know, but there was always a mix, you know, when you were when you were growing up growing up in the town, you you kind of had this sense that there was you never you never really felt kind of like ostracized in your own city. But I know a lot of people who do feel that self that sense of self-consciousness when they're in certain parts of the city because they're not of a particular class or they're not of a particular set and they kind of feel it more and more and more. And I think that's I I, I don't feel, I don't feel particularly comfortable about that. I feel I, I think that's pretty pretty dull, you know. What I mean, I'm not I'm not into that, you know. I'm not saying this is Angus Robertson's fault, but I think that we need to start having some pretty serious conversations about who we have in charge of our civic policy, about who who's actually behind these decisions. Why are these things here? You know, if they're, they're about they want to spend a whole bunch of money gentrifying George Street even more. Well, they're doing that now because really. There, there's not really that many people in amongst the town in that now who are a problem. So it's, they've, they've cleared everybody out and now they make it just, you know, even more for the wealthy set, you know? I'm not into it. I'm not into it, you know? Even, even from the point of view of someone who's not a resident in Edinburgh and therefore, you know, doesn't come into daily contact with all the problems that the gentrification and the world city status and all that has, has brought to residents in Edinburgh. I also just think it's a really, really bad idea for the working class in general to lose access to the capital city with a parliament building space. Do you know what I mean? It, it just, it, it really indicates like a democratic degeneration. I couldn't agree more. Lose. I couldn't agree more with that, yeah. I mean, look, ultimately, Edinburgh aesthetically is a beautiful city, right? 
and they always go on about this. They always kind of laud this element, you know what I mean? But it's like, it may be beautiful, but it's also inaccessible for a certain for a certain class. And that's how they like it. They want it like that, right? Stop lying. Stop pretending that, you know, it's, oh, it's welcome for it. It's like, no, it's not. You know fine well what you're doing. They know what they're doing, you know? Why not just be honest about it? Why not just say, yeah, we prefer the riffraff weren't in the city centre? Because that's what's really going on here. Do you know what I mean? That's that's what's going on. But, you know, um, it's like, it's about priorities, isn't it? And people say, oh, this is a council issue. It's like, it's not really. It's a government issue as well. Do you know what I mean? It's It, it comes down to the ideology of who, who the governing party are and how, how, and how they operate, you know? Because they're all kind of of the same set. They're all of the same set. It's a bit like my, my beef with the V&A, you know? What was it? I was calling it the other day, the, the vulgar and abhorrent, like, you know what I mean? Because it's kind of like, um, I've nothing against Dundee. I've nothing against there being something like the VNA, but it's kind of a bit like, you know, uh, it is kind of vulgar. You know, we've got we've got all these social problems. We've got all these crazy stuff. And, you, you know, literally, like, there, there's no, the VNA is a vanity project. That's all it is. It's, it's a vanity project. And it's indicative of this government and this party and people like Adam McVeigh and people like uh, Fiona Hislop and people like uh, Robertson and this type of set. If you look at the sort of social class of people who are in the political class, you know, overwhelmingly, you know, there's there's not a variety of different voices there from 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 different classes or otherwise. You know, what I mean, it's it's uh, it's, it's it's about what we've what more and more just the accepted mindset of the type of people that are that are in power and that make decisions, you know? And this needs to be challenged, you know? Yeah, and, and this is the thing, I mean, as you say, you know, like, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a supporter of Scottish independence. It's it's that, it's this group of people, though, this emerging new elite who, who scare me. Do you know what I mean? Because I just think you hear people talk about the constitutional question as though right we'll get this thing done this is the most one of the most common refrains get independence done and then we can have a debate about what type of country we create it's, the, that country, it's the most myopic statement in the history of statements it's the yeah. most ill thought out myopic idiotic statement and the people that make that statement especially the intelligent ones should be ashamed of themselves they're an embarrassment I see them as the sort of popular frontists, you know what I mean? That's what I see them. I call them the shortbread socialists because they because they're 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 so they they they're basically Scottish exceptionalists. And they basically they, they've got the audacity to, to suggest that they're socialists and they'll come out with statements like independence, that's eyes on the prize, that's the focus, independence. And it's like, right, you get a bunch of neoliberal self-serving wankers to secure your independence, and then they just fucking go, right, that's our job done, we'll disband now, and all our little nepotistic contacts and backhanders and cliques that we've developed over years now just dissolve, and a, a, a sort of socialist utopia emerges from what? Are you having a fucking laugh? Are you having a fucking laugh? This is, this is the talk of idiocy. So the only thing that I can actually associate it to is just exceptionalism, and it's basically just I, I but we'll be independent, and it's like, to, for, for who? I mean, I had a good chat with Jim Slavin the other night there on the thing that I did. And he just, you know, he just makes this point. And it's an important point because the point he's making was, you know, in 2014, right, we had that kind of um, repugnant cabal of like bullying bastards, you know what I mean, that were in, char in charge of the country, do you know what I mean? And it was, they were easy to despise, you know? 
even more so than the current lot. The current lot are just kind of out and eclecticrats, you know what I mean? You're kind of just watching them just go for it, you know what I mean? You're just like, well, what do we expect? You know what I mean? It's an ever-descending spiral, you know? But back then you had this kind of, these, this kind of like, you know, these, <laughs> you know, it was, it was ridiculous, you know? And uh, so a vote for yes was kind of like, it was, it was, it was, it was like a sort of like a vote for democracy in some way. It was like, let's save democracy. <laughs> let's, let's kind of save democracy. And um, that's why we got a good turnout from the working classes and all the rest of it. Do you know what I mean? There was like the you, the SNP wouldn't be able to secure that vote now with the type of the type of the type of policy making they have and the way they go about their business. And why would they not? Because they don't care. Not interested now. They're not interested in that. They're not interested in that demographic now. You know, look at the apparatchiks and the people they've got around about the party. <laughs> you know, look at look at what look at what they are. You know. You've got these interns from the States and all the rest of it, like all these wide-eyed idiots, like talking nonsense. Like, this is Scotland, man. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, they've got like, you see you see their Twitter profiles, like proud socialist, uh, Jimmy Reed, Jimmy Reed's fucking like uh, aficionado, like, you know what I mean? Uh, SNP, you're like, what are you talking about, man? What's these mad sort of like conflicting ideologies that have got, got going on here? I mean, fair enough, you know? That's just one amusing side, I suppose, to what we've got going on. But, you know, there's a lot of incompatible mindsets going on here and in terms of and there's a lot of idealism people might call me chaotic or idealist things about, about certain things or whatever like that but nothing compared to these four you know nothing compared to these four these you know it's just it's just there's not much thinking goes on behind it but you, the point that you're making there i mean that that is kind of like a really important point to make you know you know this they've been saying it for years now and it, and it, and it, and it's got to the point where it's like it's time it's time for all sane thinking people who are pro independence do you know what i mean to kind of start calling this out at every opportunity and start saying like you know what then where how why what where does what is this with aladdin's lamp like you know what i mean what 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 is what is this then exactly right because we're at a crisis point in culture and society and globally. And if it's globally, then it's locally as well, right? And the problem is capital, right? That is that is the problem, right? Capital is the problem and how capital operates and what neoliberal capitalism has become. What that has emerged and, and turned into now is dangerous as well. It's always been dangerous one way or another, but it's radioactive now. It's like proper Chernobyl levels of, of, of danger, right? And the conversations that we need to be, see, this is why, this is probably one of the reasons why I'm doing this as well. It's because of what happened in 2014. And it's because we have a culture and a society that has been part politicized that I actually think that there's an opportunity here for some new ideas and new conversations to come into this. See, the SNP and the neoliberal sort of like overwhelming kind of uh, asphyxiation machine just came in and like, you know, took out Rise, took out, you know, look at the way that Rise was treated. The Rise, you know what I mean? The, the, the Rise of the way in which Rise was treated, like, you know what I mean? I never joined Rise and I never paid a huge amount of attention to it, but I respected it. And I respected the fact that there was like young people or you know i don't i don't know how, what the exact age is but there was people off the left going like what we need 
as a as a as a uh, anti-capital, you know, what I mean, a, a, a kind of like a, a a movement here that builds on what that pursuit of you know more integral democracy was in 2014, and Rise represented that in many ways, and it was absolutely derided by the kind of pro SNP lot and all the rest of it. You know what I mean? You're going well. I'll tell you what. Tell you what, do you know what I mean? It's like they might, you know, they might have been seen as a bit idealistic here or there or whatever. But I was always uncomfortable with the way that what happened there with that. I know I don't know what actually happened about how viable it was or something. But even it never got the chance to be viable, did it? It kind of just got so attacked from what I could see. That's what I, that's how I saw it, you know. And I always I, thought, I, I always remember it was the the left wing of the SNP, you know, the kind of Mary Blacks and people like that were basically assigned the task of taking Rise out, right? So there were yeah, sort of okay. high profile attacks, you know, in the run up to the election, despite the fact that Rise, of course, polled very low right all the way up to the election. Yeah. yeah. Any any breach was seen as dangerous. And the thing, and you're right, you know, like that's not gonna go away. The SN, if we achieved independence in the next couple of years, which I don't think is a thing that's happening, right? Oh, okay. But if it did, the left would be attacked from day one of that process. Like anyone yeah. who was saying, right, okay, so we've got independence, but that's not enough. Now what we need is to change the character of the economy and the society and the democracy. Yeah. The yeah. attack on the left at that point would be absolutely brutal because you'd have this new elite trying to consolidate power, economic power, social, political power. I think a lot of people are overlooking that. They are overlooking it because they just want independence and it's just all about independence and the rest of it. But ultimately, like, you know, we're in a sort of penurious, we're in a visibly penurious state day in, day out. There's folks cycling about delivering burgers to people who are getting paid 50, pound extra, 50 pence extra, do you know what I mean? And it's like... Uh, you know, if that's not something to raise the alarm bells, what is? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, and what and what and what is this kind of what are these people going to do in a in a small independent nascent state? You know what I mean? They're just going to bend over backwards even further to capital. They already do it anyway. They're already excited to do it at every opportunity as it is. You know, we need a situation where you know the the the, the state the state's in charge of capital, not capital's in charge of the state. You know what I mean? One way or another. And people might think this is a ridiculous point to make, but you know, it's like it's not actually. It's not because if, if if you start to see these ideas of people, you know, this is why I'm saying I think it's an interesting situation in Scotland because, you know, for one reason or other, I do feel that there's a there's an appetite for ideas here because they're frustrated because a lot of the nationalist people, right, they really, really, really want they really want independence, and. Um, they, we, we can see <laughs> that they'll kind of take it under whatever circumstances, right? So we maybe need to be thinking about other ways of presenting how that independence might look from another perspective, you know what I mean? That doesn't necessarily come from this very controlled neoliberal party concept of independence, because I can't relate to that. Man. I'm not into that at all, and I'm not into the people behind it. And what happens with that is about that's how, how we find novel and interesting and I guess the term to use would perhaps even be exciting ways to engage people in why that would be a different thing and as an artist you know that's maybe where I see things a little bit differently from from the kind of traditional viewpoint you know um, because I think that in my experience people 
are not stupid and they are condescended and patronized to all too often and i think that people you know when given the opportunity to see things in different perspectives and given a sense of you know credited with the intelligence to understand things that you can find that they're actually open to some pretty interesting ideas you know and i think that really that's what on some level i'm i'm seeking to do and this is perhaps the sort of the nucleus of that in, in, in some way or other you know um i haven't given up hope like you know what i mean i've not i've not given up hope you know i think that um yeah let, let me ask you more generally about about the kind of last year because you're talking about capital and we need to focus on the problem of of capitalism i mean i don't know how you feel about this but maybe maybe the world's getting crazier maybe i'm just getting older and I'm noticing it more but i actually can't believe the astonishing pace of change in global society in the last year on a couple of fronts so the total destruction of high street economies and its replacement by warehousing amazon type model that and i mean the super league stuff is i know it's collapsed right <laughs> but the super yeah, you league made a good stuff, point i saw you make that point i thought it was a great point you i saw that that tweet you put the other day there about that as well i had I've kind of haven't been able to pay attention to much news over this last month because I've been so focused, but you know, it's pretty much just on tweets and stuff. So I kind of was just aware of the Super League thing, but I saw that it kind of like it, it, it happened. And then is it still happening for the other clubs or is it, is it, um, it's not happening at all now? Is it? I think there's only three clubs still up for it. And I think it's the Spanish clubs who are more <laughs> invested in it and as an idea. But I, I, that thing I said on Twitter was that these people have gotten away with it for so long now that perhaps they've started to think they're invincible yeah. and that nothing can stop them. Um, but, I mean, it's understandable where, where that hubris could come from. I mean, the super rich, you know, the, uh, the true kind of global elite of uh, the kind of capitalist elite, they have increased their wealth and power over society so massively in the last yeah. 30 or 40 yeah. years. And I, and I don't think people have a... Uh, a sense that I mean, it, for I mean, the power differential. This is how I try to think about it between Jeff Bezos and one of his workers in one of his Amazon warehouse, warehouses. The difference in wealth and power between Jeff Bezos and one of those warehouse workers is larger than the difference in power and wealth between a pharaoh and one of the slaves building his mausoleum. I mean, there, there has never been a time in human history where that those inequalities of power and wealth are greater than today. We live in a completely unprecedented time in, in that respect. And I, I wonder to what extent, you know, layers of society are, are, are coming to grips with that, that difficult realization. And also with the decline of a certain liberal democratic paradigm that I think most people have come to expect. Um, society is becoming notably less democratic. I mean, that, yeah, that seems fairly obvious to me. Yes, definitely, definitely. I mean, that's the thing, and what and the point that I guess, what can we do, right? We're in Scotland, <laughs> you know. What can we do? Well, the first thing we can do is question our political class and see who it is that's actually re representing us. The political class are the boot clerks, the servants of capital. You know what I mean? They're not really there to service their constituents. So they're to service the needs and wants of the capital class. That's that you know. People might think that's a Marxist statement or otherwise, but it's just a fact. It's a factual statement, right? It's a factual statement, right? So, with with these kind of people, I mean, let's look. Let's first, first of all, let's let's examine the caliber of them, right? 
You're either a kind of consummate careerist like Robertson, who's eloquent and articulate and capable of holding his own in the on the political on this political stage in the political theatre, right? But he's still an actor, as they all are. They're all actors. They don't even talk like that when they go home and they ask their missus or their partner for a cup of tea or something. Do you know what I mean? It's just like this is just a performance, okay? So people have to start thinking about this as a performance, you know. And anybody in any normal position who didn't answer the question in a transparent or legitimate way, you know, I mean, people, people would just lose the rag, but the political class just, you know, have got this way of operating and it's just somehow accepted. It's like, well, why is that acceptable? You know, now, so you've either got the kind of consummate kind of careerist who, you know, post-politics will be in an NGO or a high, a high position in some sort of, they're never going to not be shy of a bob or two or an opportunity, right? That's why they go into these institutions. That's why they go into these organisations anyway, because it's a great place to climb the ladder, right? Or the greasy pole or whatever you or whatever you want to call it, right? And then you have the total inepticons, you know what I mean? That are just complete and utter, you know, Muppets who are who are just, you know, they're not picked by the party because they've got vision. They're picked because they're fucking idiots. Do you know what I mean? And they're not going to fucking, they're not going to fucking cause any trouble. And it's like you do what you're told, I and they bother dib 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 and all the rest of it. And there's fucking loads of them, right? There's fucking loads of them. Muppets. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you've kind of got that split. You've kind of got, got the shrewd kind of Machiavellian kind of like, you know, kind of sneaky, sharp, but self-serving, more intelligent lot. And then you've got the sort of Willie Rennie school of fuckwit. You know what I mean? And that's like, that's that's who you've got representing us, right? And you're kind of going, well, is it a joke? Is it a comedy? You're like, no, it's not comedy. This is actually our society that we're talking about. What is the problem? Independence or drug deaths, where you've got absolutely outrageous amounts of people dying. I lost a fucking dear, dear, dear friend just at the end of January there, right? Someone fucking really important to me. Fucking another statistic, you know what I mean? And it's just like, and it's as much about them as it is about everyone else. It's like, come on, I wait a fuck, man. We're supposed to be this, oh, we're in the new Scotland. And, and that's the bit, the hypocrisy, the kind of inco the incongruence between the kind of like, you know, the wide, it's, you know, it's almost nauseating, the kind of like, the, the, the sort of exceptionalism, the idea that, oh, we're better, we're better than this. And it's like, oh, fucking no, we've got the worst drug deaths in Europe. We've got the worst drug deaths, right? We've got young people. And why are they turning to drugs and alcohol in the numbers that they are? And why is their mental health so savaged and fucking compromised? You know what I mean? It's like, well, there's reasons for this. I'll draw it back to capital every day of the week. You know what I mean? Because I'm a sort of fisher and aficionado or these type of people. You know what I mean? I'm kind of like, you know, into that type of viewing things, right? I don't, not everybody doesn't have to start reading all that stuff or thinking that way. You know what I mean? But you're going like, look, these are some seriously astute thinkers who have looked at the situation that we're in. <laughs> checked out themselves, unfortunately, as a fucking result. You know what I mean? But it's like, you know, this is, I'd much rather read what Mark Fisher's written about our current or, you know, re recent events than Pete Wishart or someone like that. You know what I mean? What's Pete, Wish what's the grand political philosophy of Pete Wishart like? You know what I mean? How he fucking like change the MIDI cables on his keyboards or something. Do you know what I mean? I wait a fuck. You know what I mean? And this, and this, this is what we're talking about. You know what I mean? And it's time that we had some seriously different ideas and voices in our political environment you know and um, I would encourage any uh, like this is the other thing as well it's like you want they want they want they're going like oh we want a, a citizens assembly or something like that it's like we've got one it's called Holyrood right fill it with independence right take if, the, if people in Scotland right really want to you know they are the UDI crowd and all the rest there and the mental folk who are like ah fucking like you know what I mean you know what they should do right they should totally just stick it up to the 
Salmon's kind of swept in to try to try and kind of like you know mop up that frustration and all the rest of it. <laughs> He's done his own wee thing, you know. But really, if they wanted to be really radical, they should use all the the yes groups and their kind of their, their networking like that, and just get independents right and shove as many independents into Holyrood as they possibly could. That would fuck things up for the political class. That that would cause them problems, you know. You kind of start to create this weird idea of like, well, what is a what is an independent country if it's not already filled with independent parliamentarians representing their constituencies? You know what I mean? Who are, you know, if you're a sort of country who are saying like we're going to actually oppose the political class, you know, and the party political class, you know, that would be an interesting thing, you know. And it's and 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 bizarrely enough, I kind of feel like maybe it's. Maybe this is the sort of place where that's, you know, these sort of things could start to happen, you know, because there is a genuine desire for independence. And of course, the arguments for independence uh, to, you know, emancipate ourselves from Westminster and what it is are necessary, probably necessary for the, Britain as, a, as an entity and England as well. Do you know what I mean? Because England is suffering as well under this horror show of under this corruption you know what i mean and under under this this horrible you know these these disgusting human beings that are that are lording around you know what i mean so but i ran there i don't know I'm, it's because the screen's quite small okay let me try and make it bigger and see if that carry on right yes no no it's, it's all it's all good okay so so what if you get into the parliament all right uh in in this election what would be what would be your first couple of priority policies or ideas or arguments that you'd be advancing in the Scottish Parliament? What would be my first? What would be my first? Uh, well, you get a speech, don't you, when you get when you get to go in? Every new person, you know. Well, I don't believe in political careerism, so I would be I would be telling them that I wouldn't be there for more than four. Is it what five four years? Is it? It's five years, isn't it? Of course, yes. Sir. I should know that. That's <laughs> five years. Um, I don't. I don't believe that. The, I don't believe we should have careers in politics. You know. So I would be saying that I would be only there for the one term, and that by the end of that term, I would be doing my very best to make sure that nobody else in the, in the room would be coming back for another term. Like you know what I mean? So. <laughs> I'm sure that'd go down well. You make a lot of friends, and that. Well, surely, if the people of Edinburgh Central vote for me, then they can uh, they can watch me make that maiden speech, like you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. See yeah. the looks on their faces, like you know. You could you could just point at everyone in the Parliament and say you shouldn't be here, you shouldn't be here, you shouldn't be here. Up for that, I'm um, up for that, like one by one by one. Yeah, I think I think um, things that things that do bother me. Yeah, okay, like so, so, social issues bother me. Okay, our drugs policy is a joke. It is a joke. It's a joke because of the situation that we ha we have there. Uh, that bothers me. That, that genuinely bothers me on a on a on a level. It, bo it bothers me from per from from for personal. It's always bothered me. You know what I mean? I, I think like for example, you've got you got to hand it to to Darren McGarvey to Loki there for really tearing into them. Um, I know that they can. I know that they kind of. Um, they made a big song and dance about it. They were going to they found all this money and all the rest of it, you know. And I don't think there was any, you know, the fact that it's an election year. Do you know what I mean? I feel, I'm a bit cynical about these things. You know what I mean? I'm a bit like, oh, right, there you go. Suddenly you found a bit of loot. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, that's a good day. You really give a fuck about these people. You don't give a fuck about these people. Stop pretending you do. You know what I mean? Um, you know, or, or else you would have been this would have been a, a front and center policy. And then obviously the other thing I think that's that's massively 
an issue is is uh, is class, really. You know what I mean? Because I think that class is, you know, it's just the facts. It's it's kind of like this independence movement is kind of um, as as you know, Jim was saying all night there. As I feel strongly, as I'd imagine you're probably of a similar disposition. You know, it, it's kind of like we have to think about, you know, that that's the area that needs attention. Do you know what I mean? It's like if we're going to have a movement that's supposed to improve the country, well, let's make it make it clear. Let's get the working class to to get behind the movement. And the way you do that is you set out a, a framework and a and, and bunch of policies and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a, an ideology that, that makes it worth their while, you know, that makes it worth their while, gives them something to vote for. Not Andrew Wilson's kind of like incremental. Kind of, I mean, basically it's like this, isn't it? It's like, um, okay, it, it's, it, it's like this. I know you asked me about specific policies, but I'll come, I'll come back to, to, to that in a sense, but it's kind of like... Um, The SNP rely on the vast majority of uh, the Scottish electorate, if they're, if they're from the working class, for them not to really be class conscious, essentially. You know what I mean? Because it's basically like, uh, ah, you vote for us because you're Scottish, eh? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, ah, you know what I mean? And that, that's kind of the vibe. And every day that those people aren't class conscious is a day that the SNP kind of, you know, op operatives kind of like, you know, wipe a, wipe a sigh of relief. Do you know what I mean? Because if they were... They would be, they'd be fucking in the bin by the morning, like you know what I mean. It'd be like, ah, right, get get to what 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 are you going to do? It's like vote for, vote for independence, so I can send my great great grandchildren to fetties, like you know what I mean. Like that's basically the vibe. It's like this this is how many of the how many people do you think in that parliament in the SNP or whatever, or even Labour? Look at Sarwar and the rest of it. How many how many of these people send their children to private schools? I've really no idea. It would be an interesting thing to look into. I know right. that a lot. I know that a lot of them are landlords. I remember someone did. Right. Well, they're landlords, and I, and I get. I, I guarantee you. And if they're not sending their kids to private private schools, if they've got kids or otherwise, then the vast majority of the advisors and the lobbyists they deal with, and all, all of these people send their children to private schools. And I'm not saying that you can't send your children to private schools, but let's have our normal schools at the same standard as private schools. Then, right? Have you ever been to a private school? I mean, it's something mental. Like forty percent of the kids in Edinburgh now go to private school. When I was when I was growing up in the city, right, as a kid, you get on the bus, you go to school, and that, and there'd be a couple of kids for private school, and it'd be like, you know, like the private school kids and that, like, you know, what I mean, and that, and it's like, a, I don't know if they travel on the bus <laughs> anymore, but you know what I mean. It's like it's now it's like forty percent. Well, there's plenty of defenders and that on the pavements and that all around. You know what I mean? Dropping them all off and everything. But and it's like it's I don't have I'm not I'm not opposed to this class or otherwise. It's just that the standard of teaching, of education, of kind of like what goes on in these places. It's like, it's a, it's, it's a different planet from what happens in, in, in normal school. And so this even playing field thing, I mean, I know the SNP are constantly getting criticised for attainment and all the rest of it. And their education is, just, it's like, come on, man, it's a scandal. We can't afford things like the v &A. We can't have things like this when we've got such horrific casualties in other parts of our society. That's my, that's my position. And if and if and if and if you are these kind of people that talk, oh, when we get independence, we'll get us. Well, why are you spending all this money on all this crap when we've not even got independence, right? Do you know what I mean? It's like do something interesting rather than building some vanity project museum. Go to Dundee and build a super school. Go, you know what, right? We're going to go to a really deprived area in Dundee and we're going to build a a, a sort of landmark, amazing school. We're going to spend like. 200 million quid on this thing or whatever more we're going to make a sort of normal school as high a standard as we possibly can we're going to make it a kind of model sort of thing right we're going to have 
food for the kids. We're going to have infrastructure. We're going to have mental health issues. We're going to have all this kind of We're going to staff it. We're going to do all this stuff. Like what you get in a private school, you know what I mean? Lead by example. Do something interesting. So what if it's just in one place? But even still, whatever. Things like that, man. I'd much rather they did something like that than have some stupid fucking museum, you know what I mean? They'd get the uh, the private school lobby knocking at the door, of course, if they did that. If they started introducing working schools in working class areas that resembled private schools for free. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But it doesn't sound like such a bad idea, does it? No, uh, it, it does sound like a good idea. And, and you know, two million quids. I mean, I, I, my favourite policy of this election cycle so far is the, uh, is the SNP policy of introducing a four-day working week that turned out to be given 10 million quid to a bunch of private corporations to pilot a four-day working week, which just means throwing money at some friends. We know, how, we, know, we, know how that, we know how that goes, like, you know what I mean? Bottom line is this, right? The, 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 entire, the entire political establishment, right? This is what this is about as well. They know that political literacy is pretty low in general, and it is in general. It's general everywhere. Do you know what I mean? It's generally like, you know, people are like, you know, what's going on with that politics business or whatever? Do you know what I mean? And the, de the, the, the demographic of voting always reduces all the time. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, they just want a, a, a populace that are apathetic to it and just, it's, they just make it so es like weird and esoteric and stupid and all the rest of it that it's kind of like, and they like it that way, you know? And then it's, so it's just, it just becomes partisan. It just becomes like a football team type thing, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, and that, 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 that's kind of how, how, how they want it, you know, because they don't want scrutiny. They don't want people to be having ideas about what things are going on. So then, and then when you have like really important discussions, I mean, I noticed that I never watched it. So I do apologize. I knew about the counter thing and I've only seen bits and bobs about bits and bobs off it. I've just not had a chance. But I think either you or Kat had them. Um, did, were you not talking? Well, one of you is not talking to Jodie Dean at one point. You had Jodie Dean on, did you not? Yeah, I yeah, we had her on for around the time of the US election. Right, yeah. right. Somebody like that, you know what I mean? Who's kind of pioneered the kind of scrutiny of, of communicative capitalism and how you know how that operates and the kind of capture and distraction of these networks and stuff. You know what I mean? Like an absolute like mastermind woman of like complete and utter incredible intellect on the on the, on these areas and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, why is it that you know, we need to be finding ways of taking the, the amazing academic research of people like that and finding novel and interesting ways of bringing that information into the wider society, you know? As an artist, I've got a responsibility to try and do that one way or another, do you know what I mean? Not everybody might agree with the way that I go about my business, but I mean, this is what we have to see. And we have to see other artists as well. I mean, we, we, we've definitely got a situation in Scotland, um, and especially the way the arts funding is, where, I mean, look at, I mean, it's almost, I can't, I can't even almost bring myself to kind of like think about it because I've got so much else going on in my mind at the minute. But when you think about, you know, where we are culturally, what's our cultural expression, you're either kind of like, you know, pro-independence party line or what, or a unionist, what? Where's, where's, where's the sort of like, you know, radical kind of like, movement in Scotland of artists who are like, you know, properly, if you're at, if you're anti-capital or anti-capital is not really a term that I really like to use particularly, but you know what I mean? If you're, but if you're, if you're opposed to neoliberalism and because of how eroding it is of our human humanity and our human rights, you know, the rest of it. And, you know, if you start to look at it and see what actually goes on here, whether or not the people that are implementing neoliberal policy or, willing or act willing dupes or active agents in its implementation we need artists to challenge this 
we need artists to challenge this in novel and interesting ways. And I just, I just don't see, I just don't see enough of that. And then you, you, you know, we have a, essentially we have a neoliberal government, but the same neoliberal government has basically got the entire art situation wound up. You know what I mean? So it's like you know, you you, you get a wee piece of the pie. Oh, Nicola liked my book. What? I did. Get that. Get to fuck with that. You know what I mean? Like what? What are you doing? Wait, how are you going to criticise Nicola now then? If Nicola does something that you didn't like. You're not going to say fuck all, are you? You know what I mean? And it's like that's this is a, this is tactical by that lot. Well, Fiona Hislop's all pally with me. Well, cool, whatever. But fucking like, you know what I mean? Fiona Hislop's done some things that I think are just ridiculous. You know? And I, uh, I, 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 sorry. I I remember this a point that you made from one of your other videos that I've watched about, and maybe this is uh, another discussion, maybe for after the election. But since you know you're you're saying you're bringing in those perspectives into the election, um, you know, you've said it, and I think it is interesting that Scottish cultural production in the last ten years really hasn't reflected any of the big. Maybe Scotland should society. be should be tipped into the Clyde, preferably with everybody in it at the same time. Like you know what I mean? That building, seriously, no institution in the country has done more to denigrate and restrict. The cultural expression of this country. A pox on their house and every single person that lives in it. They are a joke. They're a farce. We've had a we've, we've, right, we've had a we've had a was the 2014 referendum the most seismic political event in Scottish history and living Scottish memory? Probably. Right. Did it have an effect, a lasting effect on the culture? Um I, I kind of psychologically and politically, yeah, but it's not. I, I, it's not really been reflected. Right, but did, but did, did it have an effect on the country? Has it still continues to have a massive effect I, on the country? Right, we can't think past yeah. two thousand and fourteen now, can we? Politically or socially, we can't think back past that point. Right, before the year was mm. out, they had Benedict Cumberbatch playing Dominic Cummings in a play about Brexit. And a film about Brexit, right? Yeah. Where's the film about the? Where's the film or the or the series or the satire or the or the or the or the, or the piece of um, cultural engagement about what's happening in Scotland in the la in the last seven years? Where is it? Tell me where it is. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Well, why does it not exist? What's that? I know. Why does it? Why does it not exist? No one's commissioned it. No one has uh, accepted any drafts. Do you have a draft? Left. They gave me money. They paid me money people, to fucking do it. I fucking done it. Right? That's not... And, and, and I'll tell you what, I'd be fucking absolutely delighted if anybody else fucking done it. I'd be delighted if you done it. Mm. Fucking idiots. That's what they are. And the, uh, and the, and the reason they're idiots... It's because it's more than their fucking jobs worth, mate. That's why. Because it's more than their fucking jobs worth, mate. And as a result, we have this stagnant, retarded, immature, un, you know, non-progressive mindset where people are still calling each other unions and you've got kind of crayon drawings of kind of like, you know, comparative sort of expressions of how things are. An ever-reducing circle of kind of, a cycle of, a mindset about what, what the divisions are, because there's nothing occurring that's adult, that's rational, that's provocative, that's scarborous, that's ruthless, 
right? There's nothing because they won't do it because they're terrified. They're terrified. They can't do it, right? Now, what does that say about us as a country? That says we are a fucking joke, mate. Right, that says we are a fucking joke. At least, at least the English are so arrogant. At least, at least the, at least the, 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 at least the, the cultural sector somewhere, they're so comfortable with their power that they can say, "I make as many fucking programs you want about Brexit. We still want. We can do whatever. We can't do it here. Oh no, no, no. We can't. We can't do anything about that. We can't talk about what's actually going on. So as a result, we we have this kind of like you know this embarrassment. This is an embarrassment. And that 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 institution on the Clyde is 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 the is the is the greatest impediment to the true expression of Scottish culture, and that goes for every nook and cranny of this country, from Barra to Orkney to Arbroath to Dumfries, wherever. None of these places get properly or accurately represented for the type of place they are. It's always through that Ouija Pacific key lens. And it's not even an accurate lens for Ouija's, right? It's not even a lens that Glasgow people particularly, you know, true. And people think I take the piss out of Ouija's, all right, it's a bit of banter or whatever, right? But aside from a few little things that have happened where, you know, you, you've had some interesting challenge and stuff going on, you know? It's like that 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 building, that place. Look at it, man. They had, they've got a programme called The Nine, right? It's a news programme. Have you seen it? Ah, about here. They had a woman on because her dog went missing and then they found the dog and it was like a story, right? That That is a true thing. That is a tr- I'm, tell- I'm not even joking you, right? I'm like, you're watching it, you're going like, they had her on, they were interviewing her about the dog went missing and then they put a tweet out and then somebody found the dog and then the dog, they got the dog back in that like, you know what I mean? You're like... <laughs> That just to me that says it all. To me that says it all. And fucking like Geisler or someone's like got a straight face. Or, like you know what I mean. Like asking her about the dog that's went missing. Like you know what I mean. <laughs> Keep going, guys. Fucking on you go, mate. Fucking no. brilliant. Hey, you're fucking. We're all sitting here going like brilliant. Never mind, you know how people here actually feel about the way that the way that culture's represented. Like you know what I mean. That's a separate thing. You know that's a bugbear from an artistic perspective, and that's maybe getting a wee bit away from the the kind of immediate. <laughs> I love to rant about them, though. I have to say, like, you know what I mean? Because I fucking, I, I do think they're idiots, like, you know what I mean? All of them. But, <laughs> but that's... No, it, it, it's all part of the picture, though. You know, it's, it's right. you know, you can't extricate. I mean, and this is the other thing. I mean, th- this is a major uh, election issue that's very, really talked about. The Scottish government now pays the major newspapers to keep printing. I mean, th- this is my worry, is that is that the Scottish government has this patronage model <laughs> And the whole communicative media cultural circuit is just getting sucked <laughs> in to this, this this patronage model. I think you know we either capitulate or we keep trying to do, you know what I mean? We we either capitulate, right? And you kind of see. I'll tell you something interesting, right? This has been really of all the things I've done. I've done loads of rage things, right? But this is <laughs> this is hard, right? This is like a definite, like it's very demanding and it's it's hard work. You know, I'm not I'm not looking for sympathy. <laughs> But it is hard work. It's it's a it's a graft. It's a proper graft, you know. And it occupies your mind constantly. And um, there's a lot a lot to do, right? There's a lot to do. But the most opposition that you've that I've experienced from it, it's not really from the establishment or the Robertson capital. It's from the snooty 
wankers on the left who had created little fiefdoms of their kind of own little kind of pockets of kind of like, you know, we, we're the people that, that talk about these things, you know what I mean? And you're kind of going like, well, where's your solidarity, right? Because I'm coming out here and I'm going like, this is fucking wrong, right? This is fundamentally wrong. And it's causing serious problems that end up literally with people dying or people being profoundly exploited or living in horrific conditions that are totally like unacceptable. People, we've got all these problems with like, all, you know, the myriad of issues that we're, try, that we're trying to talk about, you know, let alone the ridiculous constitutional questions of like, you know, why are we pro-monarchy then if we're going to be independent and all the rest of it. And uh, the, the amount of sniping, backbiting, bitterness and all the rest of it from people that are apparently socialists or something. Do you know what I mean? That's the that's what just they just they just show themselves, you know. They just show themselves. And I think you said to me, you said to me in a message, and it's, it's, it's very true. You the left love power and hate those who challenge it. And in some ways, that's ve- that's a, a, a tragic reality of a situation like this where somebody like myself, you know, goes right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to work hard at it, I'm going to say what I believe, I'm going to fight for what I, for my city, I'm going to fight for what's being done in my city, I'm going to fight against the, the people who are ignorant to, to, to the city, who are in places of power, who are making decisions that are causing problems for the city and the people in it. I'm going to stand up against that and I'm going to carry with it my wider political philosophy, which is anti-neoliberalism, which is, which is, you know, anti sort of, I've got a term for it, but I'm not going to use it because I'm writing something and, I, and, and it's about where we are at, where capital's at. It's kind of, without sounding grandiose, I would like to see it as an advancement of capitalist realism. I'd like to see it as an advancement of what Fisher was writing about there. It's where we are at now, essentially. It's how I see it. And um, I'm going to try some, you know, I'm trying to, when I've got the time to, to, to create a more solidified expression of that and, and, and try to articulate that and why I think it's important and why I think it's interesting that we should be looking at it from this perspective. But, you know, despite the fact that I'm a bit of a wido or I'm a cheeky cunt sometimes or I like to make mischievous videos or, or I'm known for making satire, it doesn't mean that I don't have principles. It doesn't mean that I don't, I don't have a heart or care about people or care about my community or care about my country or want a better country or want a better community, right? So where is where is the where is the solidarity? Do you know what I'm saying? You know, there's uh, I, I think that the, the there's two kind of souls of contemporary, what you might call the socialist movement on the left or whatever. I mean, it's now very small, right? Let's be honest, and very socially marginal. Um, but there's so many people on the left today who view themselves as people who are there to persuade the powerful to do something uh, a bit well, this nicer is like, with their This is identity power. politics. This is just to get some redistributive measures from capital. This is, you know, this is just to try and say, oh, we want to have, sorry to interrupt you there, but, you know, that's what it feels like. It feels, you know, it's this notion of classes and identity. I don't deal with that, man. I don't trade with that. I'm not into this classes and identity. What is just in the apothecary of other identities? It's like, no, class has primacy. Right. If you're working class, you can be Asian, Indian, woman, whatever. It doesn't make any difference. Put whatever you want, but class must have primacy. Okay. We're in a situation where we have, in my opinion, 
we have what I call capital consciousness, right? So capital consciousness is just what's endemic. It's it, essentially, it's Zizek's term or whatever, you know, it's easy to imagine the end of the world than it is the end of capitalism. But it's basically that sense of, you know, nothing can be perceived out with capital, okay? So we, so everybody is, is essentially, <coughs> excuse me, is essentially inculcated and indoctrinated with, cap, with capital consciousness, okay? Okay. Uh, the the, op the 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 opposite position of that is class consciousness, right? So I see this as very much. I see that we've we've come down to this very very much this binary division line. It's kind of a, and, and I kind of see it for the purposes of my work and what I'm trying to do. It kind of works that way. It's kind of like okay, this is about two a battle of consciousness. This is about class consciousness versus capital consciousness, okay? And this and th and this this is what we're talking about now. So, you know, we need that kind of. And also, I mean, this is another bit of a tangent, but you know, when we when we look at what's going on with identity politics and how that is, I tie that particularly to the point, the sort of genesis point of the commodification of education. I see that, I see this as being massively linked to what happened from that point forward. People kind of graduate from universities now with very little vocational opportunity. There's not there's not this sort of like you know, positions that they would have previously been able to move, move upwards with their degree and all the rest of it. And, that, you know, they come out and they're not really an awful lot, an awful lot of opportunity for them. So they've kind of got a debt there. They've got the sense of time that they've spent. And then they've also, in many cases, got a, a literal debt as well that they, that they carry with that. And um, they kind of got a bit of a chip on their shoulder, I think. You know what I mean? They can't really, they can't really express it. So they come out and, and uh, so they've kind of come out, they kind of, they kind of graduated into what I call cultural traffic wardens. Like, you know what I mean? They like to kind of police culture. And that's what, that's what we're kind of, that's what we experience. You know, they deny that cancel culture exists. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? And these, I mean, okay, we've got this, the stupid culture war, whichever way you want to look at it, but it's very immature. It's particularly immature. It's a very immature thing to look at when you kind of take a step back. It's like, this is pretty, this is kind of common room level of embarrassment. You know what I mean? But they don't, they don't see it like that. They think it's like the most important thing, you know? And, um, you know, if you start talking about class-based issues or whatever, you know, they, they kind of jump down your throat, kind of, you can care about more than one thing at the same time. You're like, well, fucking show that you do, man. Because as far as I'm concerned, all you're banging on about is one or two mad things that are like really not that important to people who are having to go to food banks or who are struggling in other ways and all the rest of it. Do you know what I mean? And, and that suits the neoliberal class down to a T. It's much easier for them to much easier for them to allow this to occupy the airspace than to actually start addressing, like, you know, actually, you know. We've got some serious, serious other issues here, you know. Uh, indeed. Um, okay, so to, to round up, last couple of weeks of the campaign, uh, how are you feeling about it? <laughs> how are you feeling about the last stretch? Uh, I mean, is it enjoyable? You said it's hard, but is it enjoyable? It's had times. It's had moments of. I've kind of given you this. I've given you this sort of the the the, the Uzi like nine millimeter. I think. I mean, maybe I was waiting to let off some steam at something. I don't know why I've done that to you, David. I do apologize. <laughs> I've got this large face on my steam light. You know what I mean? It's kind of not. It's like um, I'm going to have a bit of fun with it the last couple of weeks. To be honest, like you know, it's kind of it's tight. It's tight. It's tight. kind of um. It's kind of time to bring in the, the friends and associates who have kind of been waiting in the wings to kind of like get on board and kind of like raise. Now it's about public engagement because now it's about the postal votes are done. And I need people in these areas to kind of get behind it and kind of see that there's a vibe there. 
and just to see what we can do, you know, and see what we can manage to do in that in that time frame. I've got another show with Limbic on, uh, I think it's Wednesday, that goes out on Friday. And then I'm supposed to be doing a live show there on the 4th, which is kind of, I'm going to get a bunch of bands and stuff and a bunch of cats just to do a sort of all-day kind of live stream thing. That's penciled in. It's going to be a lot of work to try and get it done, but I'm going to try and do that. But yeah, no, the, the plan is to just kind of raise engagement as much as possible and just use this use this period to kind of like try as best I can to sort of like provoke on some some of these 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 issues that I'm that I'm passionate about, you know. A term I hate to use, but I'll use it <laughs> passionately. <you know? laughs> so for uh, for folk who want to get involved with the with the campaign, uh, what's the best way they can they can get when does this when will this uh, energy go out? I as soon as possible. So hopefully this'll be uh the, I mean, we're recording this on the 21st of April, Wednesday. So I don't know, as as soon as, basically. Um, well, there's still, before this kind of like, really before, the election on the 6th, it was before the sort of like the sort of 27th, 28th, I've got a crowdfund there. I still could do with the extra loot going in the crowdfund so that I can cover, I've already, you know, I've already got costs that are kind of spiralling there anyway, and it's kind of difficult. I've got a whole bunch of um, campaign material that we'll be getting uh, distributed over this coming weekend at the start of the week, so that'll be going out. Um, and I've got a whole bunch of other costs. So if people want to contribute, still they can do that. Which you can maybe put a link to the the campaign crowdfund. Just out of interest, what did you think of the campaign then when I put it out? I I thought I thought it was a breath of fresh air. You know, I know I, I mean people may say to you, as you've said, you know that it's there's a jokiness to it. There's a, a kind of off the cuff kind of you know artistic kind of element to it. I thought it was just a breath of fresh air and what otherwise is feeling like a very stale and boring and miserable election. To be honest. Thanks. Cheers. 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 Yeah, because it was it was quite it's quite an effort to get it together. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of mm. like you're going all in, so it's like right. And like I say. Whatever people think is like it's it's definitely a graft. It's a proper graft. And then there's that weird thing where people kind of kind of get in touch with you as, as if you're kind of an elected, you know, paid up member of the <laughs> class or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And demanding that you explain things to them and all the rest of it. And you're like, come on, man! Like, you know what I mean? Like, but you know, this is I guess this is it's just what happens. But yeah, so yeah, people can still donate. That'd be great if people manage to help help me get up to the target there. And uh, just generally spread the word and encourage people in Edinburgh Central to to vote. I know the odds have reduced from five hundred to two hundred to one. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're closing in. Maybe Angus should be having a wee. What do you think about that? Like, you know, <laughs> indeed, indeed. One, one to watch then Edinburgh Central. Uh, thanks very much for giving up precious uh, campaigning time uh, to cut to come on the podcast. Pleasure to talk to you, David. Yeah. Cheers. And uh, thanks very much. And uh, folk can subscribe to the YouTube channel or to the SoundCloud, uh, depending on where you're listening to this, uh, to get more of these uh, interviews in the coming weeks. And as ever, uh, stay tuned for Cat Show every Wednesday, 7pm on the Independence Live YouTube. And I look forward to speaking to you all soon.